You're listening to The Dworkin Report. I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. My guest today needs no introduction. It's Judd Legum, co-founder of the national news website Think Progress. In this interview, Judd explains how he got into political writing, and we delve into the details about the scourge of democracy, voter suppression. One party is hell-bent on suppressing as much of the vote as they can, and if you're listening to this program, then you don't need to guess which one. Longtime Republican activist Paul Ryrick, the man who coined the term the quote-unquote moral majority, co-founded Heritage Foundation, and more, said this in a speaking engagement where President Reagan followed him. Now many of our Christians have what I call the goo-goo syndrome. Good government. They want everybody to vote. I don't want everybody to vote. The Republican Party's fight over decades to suppress votes is the true precursor to the Trump era to their horrid attacks on the free press. But they've taken it to a whole other level of nastiness in the last few years. Bloomberg News even caught the Trump campaign illegally funding an African-American Bernie backer in a voter suppression campaign. Just about every state legislature that is GOP-controlled, and there are quite a few, has fought to keep people from the polls, all the while creating gerrymandered political maps that dilute the votes of those who do show up. That's why it's so important that each and every last person vote, that they tell their friends to vote, that they get college students to vote, that they shout it from the rooftops and make sure that Democratic turnout this year shatters every record there is. Because this is what Republicans think about voting. Elections are not won by a majority of people. They never have been from the beginning of our country, and they are not now. As a matter of fact, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. With that in mind, listen to my interview about voter suppression in American politics with Think Progress founder Judd Legum. Judd Legum, thanks for joining the show. How are you today? Pretty good. Thanks, Scott. Uh, thanks again for joining. And can you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and, and how you got into this glamorous, life-eating job of being a journalist and an activist? Um, yeah, I went to law school uh, because I didn't know what else I was doing. I've always been interested in politics. Uh, I spent uh, a lot of my career at the Center for American Progress, which is a progressive think tank in D.C. Uh, while I was there, I started a uh, progressive media outlet called Think Progress, uh, was there for um, you know over a decade, and just recently left that. And now I do a political newsletter called uh, Popular Information, which is at popular.com. Uh, info. So I've really just been kind of following what's always interested me from when I was a little kid watching C-SPAN, which is paid attention to politics, and I've kind of taken it from there. Right. No, it's uh, it's been something I've followed your career, especially over the past decade, and you've been, uh, intri- I mean, like, absolutely instrumental in the movement, especially with progressives and uh, calling out uh, conservative BS. So I appreciate all your hard work. And I know one of the biggest concerns that people have right now um, that you've been covering uh, is is voter suppression. Um, and I know that the Voting Rights Act was one of the main civil rights acts of the 60s. Uh, can you explain to our listeners how it relates to the Constitution, uh, what it should do and who it should protect? I I think that, you know, we have the Voting Rights Act, 
some of it was effectively repealed uh, by a, by a recent Supreme Court case, but effectively it's just about protecting the right to vote uh, in the Constitution, and also, and I think this is really important for how it plays out, making sure that everyone has an equal opportunity to vote. So, in a place like Georgia, where they're closing over 200 polling locations, mostly in districts that have large minority populations, or they're um, disqualifying voter registration because you missed a hyphen or there's an extra space. Uh, these kinds of things are making it more difficult for certain people to vote and easier for other people to vote, and it, it distorts the process. So I think it really is central to the Constitution, and it's obviously central to democracy. Voting is the uh, the building block, and if people aren't able to vote, the, the whole system kind of breaks down. Right, and you mentioned Georgia. In, in Georgia, is it normal uh, for the person who's running the elections to be also on the ballot? You know, uh, don't they usually drop out? Is, is, isn't this a little bit off here? Is it normal for someone to do that? It's it's not normal, and I I know that other people in similar. It's obviously not unusual for someone who's Secretary of State who normally in most states is in charge of administering the elections, runs for higher office. That's pretty typical. But yes, you would normally uh, step down uh, such that you weren't involved in all of these things uh, prior to, you know, during your own election. And even in the case where someone is just going by the book, uh, you'd want to make sure there was no whiff of, of impropriety. But uh you know, Brian Kemp, I think he has a, a much different take on it, and uh, he's really wielding the power of that office to try to make sure uh, that it's, it's harder for people to vote. In fact, he even said, uh, and I think this was leaked to Rolling Stone, it was at a private event, that he's concerned about what happens if all everyone exercises their right to vote because his opponent, Stacey Abrams, has such a uh, robust turnout operation. So it, it is unusual and it's it's very concerning. Oh, what a shame it would be if everybody got to vote. What a sh- what a shame that yeah. in in uh, North Dakota, I guess they're having some problems there. Democratic Senator Heidi Heitkamp is running for reelection, obviously, and state Republicans decided to eliminate voters with P.O. boxes, even though that's not. I, I guess how nearly all Native American voters are registered. It's common practice there. And, of course, many of them are Dem voters. Uh, what's going on there, and, and what do you think will happen there? From the best of my understanding, I think that um, the Native tribes have effectively uh, countered that move, or at least given the op- people the opportunity to counter the move by issuing people street addresses that would allow them to qualify. Now, there's always then a question, though, of how many people will actually take advantage of that. And that's that's really what voter suppression is. In most cases, it's not about literally prohibiting someone from voting in all circumstances, but it's about putting up roadblocks, and at each roadblock, someone will give up. And I think that's what's going on in North Dakota. They, I think the tribes recognize that this is a serious situation. They've, they've acted pretty aggressively to combat it. But, you know, there may be people, if you weren't really 
if you don't have a history of voting, it's not something that you necessarily are going to do. You may be one of those kind of marginal voters. Um, maybe you don't, don't want to bother with it. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Have you uh, had it seen anything in Kansas? We we have that guy who was uh, hired by Trump to detect the non-existent voter fraud that he spent his fraudulent Chris career. Kobach, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like his opponent accused him of rigging the primary vote. Um, are we doing anything there? Is anything happening there that we should be aware of? I think that there was a lot of problems in the lead up to the election that could end up having an impact on election day. He's tried to impose a very strict set of standards around voter ID and what what would qualify someone. Uh, he's been taken to court over this and actually got found in contempt of court for not appropriately notifying people of their actual rights per a court order. So again, kind of as I was discussing in North Dakota, a lot of it we're going to have to wait and see until election day because it's not as if people will not be able to vote, but some people, because they've gotten information in the mail from Chris Kobach that, that misstated what they needed to do or maybe didn't get information uh, when he created ambiguity in some other way, will they turn out? So I think a lot of this is going to be revealed by Election Day when we see what kind of turnout numbers there are. Right. And, um, you know, let's jump into one of my favorite members of Congress. And I say that as sarcastically as possible. Um, and, and Steve King, what, what has Steve King been up to? I know that he's been involved with some uh, international white nationalist movements or um, what, what has he been up to? And why did you decide to take action? You know, you're leading a charge against him and it's been very effective. And so what's he done and why did you choose to act? Well, he's been he's been who he is for a long time, uh, years and years and years. And that's someone who very much embraces uh, white supremacists and the and the kind of ideology of white nationalism. He doesn't self-identify as that, but he recently, and this kind of is what I think drew my attention just in the last few months, he endorsed an openly white nationalist candidate for mayor of Toronto, uh, which is interesting because why is an Iowa congressman, they're not normally endorsing anyone for mayor of Toronto, but he went out of his way to do this. Uh, she's not going to win. She's not uh, polling that highly, but he endorsed her. So that got me looking at it a little cl- more closely. He also went, he travels abroad a lot, meets with far right parties. He recently met with a party that was founded by neo-Nazis in Austria, came back and in an interview to the with the Washington Post uh, said that um, he thought that the people who were members of this party would be Republicans if they were in the United States, which I think a lot of Republicans didn't appreciate, and, but it was certainly a revealing comment uh, by, by King and w- how he views the Republican Party 
But so what I've been focusing on, uh, you know, Steve King is in a very bright red district. Uh, Donald Trump won it by 27 points. Uh, I know you've talked to to his opponent, uh, who who now actually, according to a poll that came out yesterday, is within a point. Now, who knows what the how these how accurate these polls are, but I think it's safe to say it's a lot more competitive than people thought. And while King is protected in this bright, bright red district, one of the things that I've been looking at are the corporate contributors to his campaign, the PAC contributions. And these are companies, companies like Intel, companies like Purina, um, and Lando Lakes, who, who don't just market products within this bright red district, but market products everywhere around the country and then around the world. And I think they needed to take a harder look at their own association with King, and several of them have the three companies I just named uh, named announced uh, over the last couple of days uh, under new scrutiny. They're they're not going to donate to Steve King anymore. There's some companies like AT and T, Tyson Food, uh, who, despite a, a fairly large outcry, are remaining silent. Uh, so. You know, I think it is having an impact because it's generating a lot of news, not only nationally, but but back in in his state and in his district, especially a company like like Lando Lakes, which is the agricultural company and has a big presence in in Iowa. Uh, I think people are starting to rethink Steve King. Right. And I, I've been telling people on repeat because they keep on asking me, you know, what do you think is going to happen on Tuesday? And I've learned since 2002 to never uh, really make predictions um, hypothetically. If you mm-hmm. had to, if you had to guess, if the election were maybe held today, how do you think things would turn out for the Democrats, or how do you think things are are, are looking for the Democrats right now? I think things are looking as good as they can look before an election uh, for Democrats, especially if you look at the House. Uh, I do think, and I think we have women primarily to thank for that. Uh, I think that women heading into this election are very motivated. And, you know, if I had to bet, I would say that the Democrats would would take back the House. Now, you never know because it's really millions of people and there's something going on in their head. You don't know what it is. Uh, You don't know if they're going to vote or how they're going to vote for sure until they actually cast their ballot. But I I do think that um, the this this last run up uh, seems seems positive uh, for for Democrats. I think they'll they'll likely do well in the House. I think the Senate is just a very difficult map, um, although it, it's still possible that they could eke out control. Although they essentially have to, you know, run the table in in some very tough uh, states uh, like uh, you know like Nevada, like. Arizona, and then probably potentially pick up something that seemed really difficult, like Texas or uh, holding on to the seat in North Dakota. Right. Uh, what I always say is work like we're behind and sprint through the finish. Because I keep on saying, I have many times, and I thought in 2010, well, we did healthcare. People are going to love this. And then, you know, Republicans started waving around the bill and going, 
it went crazy and, and we were getting our butts kicked. Um, so it feels like on the opposite side of this, if this feels like 2006 all over again, a little bit to me. Um, but I don't want anyone to get ahead of themselves whatsoever, uh, especially, you know, no matter what, we're going to have to keep on working on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday after the elections. And I know you will be and I will be. Um, but uh, it's, it's just really interesting to see. I have not seen this much energy since probably Obama um, started in 2007 um you know there's a lot of negative stuff floating around what do you think in general in regards to what's going on with the bomber and with the pittsburgh shooting other mass shootings and the inaction of congress i mean why would they not do anything and what do you think about is trump did he help incite that i i think I think it plays a role. You know, I actually, for my newsletter, the popular information on on Monday, I I talked to a couple of experts about extremist violence, and I think the the answer is not that it was solely due to Trump or it had nothing to do with Trump. The answer answer is a mixture. You always have people who are unstable, who are prone to violence. And the question is, what kind of environment are they in? What kind of messages are they hearing? And clearly, uh, both of the uh, individuals, the, the guy who said the, the, all the bombs, also the, the, the man who you know, essentially committed mass murder at, at the Pittsburgh synagogue, clearly were influenced by Trump's message, um, by, by some of the theories that are coming out, theories that are still being propagated by Republicans, like that George Soros is, for whatever reason, funding this migrant caravan that's coming through Mexico. So I think, obviously, it's anytime something like this happens, there's a lot of complex factors, but I don't think you can just pluck Donald Trump out. I think that he's contributing to the environment, and you you know that there's people who are going to take it the next step. You know, he says, lock her up. He says that all the news is fake, that these people are getting away with all this horrible, horrible stuff, and that the law, law enforcement isn't doing anything about it. The FBI is corrupt. Well, that's what he's saying. And it's, it's not that far a leap to say, okay, well, I'm going to take things into my own hands. And uh, I think that's what you saw, um, unfortunately, over the last several days with these, you know, horrible. Uh, thankfully, no one was injured by the bombings, but the uh, same can't be said about uh, the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Right. And that's why presidents don't talk that way is because they don't want to be blamed for that kind of stuff. They don't want to uh, have any connection to it. But, you know, when it's this direct, I mean, you know, and then it continues afterwards. I mean, he even attacked the protesters, of course, this morning. Uh, calling them a, a small crowd, even though his motorcade had to turn around um, and there were thousands of people. It, it just was, it was pretty, I mean, it was fascinating to see how how off the ledge he'll go. Um, and, you know, I warn people all the time that it's just going to get worse, especially up to election day, you know, so we got to expect anything from him, especially with 11 rallies in six days, uh, you know, across the country. And that's going to be interesting to see. Where can people take a look at your uh, website to check out your newsletter, Judd? Yeah, the uh, newsletter is called Popular Information, and the uh, website is popular.info. And where can people follow you on Twitter? It's at Judd Legum. 
L-E-G-U-M. And uh, Judd, L-E-G-U-M. I, I appreciate your patriotism. I appreciate all your hard work and uh, everything you've done for this country, not, not just over the past you know, few years or whatnot, but especially right now, because it seems like everything you've done culminates, culminates to now, and uh, we could not... You know, as a movement, I know that nobody, we, we could not be successful successful as progressives without your help. And so thank you again for all that you do. Um, I'll make sure to send out the link to your website. And, and, and thanks for taking the time this close to elections. So thank you again, Judd. Keep up the great work. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. I'd like to thank Judd Legum for taking the time to talk to me. I know he's slammed before elections here. Make sure to check out his newsletter when you can. I'd like to thank Grant Stern, my producer. You can visit our website at dworkinreport.com. Only a few days left until Election Day, so make sure you contact every friend, every family member, every person that you know. Make sure they get out to vote. Make sure you volunteer. Make sure you knock doors. Make sure you do everything in your power that you can through Election Day. No matter what the polls say, we sprint through the finish. No matter what the polls say, we sprint through the finish. We act like we are behind at a constant, no matter what. What you do today will be what produces the result on election day. So make sure you push hard. Keep resisting. Thanks again for listening. Onward!